You are listening to The Creative Curmudgeon, and today I have the honor of speaking with the Phoenix-based artist, Bailey Christine. Thank okay. you. Hi. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, how would you like to describe your art to the listeners? Um, I, I like to think of myself as kind of multidisciplinary, but primarily I do illustration um, and a, a variety of different media. Uh, a lot of people consider it to have like a children's book illustration bent to it, which I would agree with. So cutesy, uh, a little bit uh, surreal at times. Um, some people have said even unsettling, which I think is funny. <laughs> That's interesting because I, 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 I could definitely see that. Like there's definitely like a an innocence to it that you could like read into it as having like a sort of uh disorienting sort of feel to it so yeah i, I could see that mm-hmm. um let's let's start from the beginning what got you into making art um as cliche as it sounds i started really young my dad uh was a painter and a musician and my mom although she didn't get into the arts was um, very crafty so she taught me how to sew and my grandmother taught me how to crochet um which later led to me uh both the crochet and the sewing leading into an appreciation for fiber arts which is uh, my first degrees in fiber arts um so i've just been somebody who feels I guess, more comfortable expressing myself visually. And I've just carried on with that since then. That's interesting. So it started, like for me, as far as how it related to family, it was almost like a, you know, you don't understand me, so I'm going to use this as like a form of rebellion or whatever. Sure. But but with you, it seems like almost like that was like a a bond. Like that, that was like part of the thing. That's interesting. Yeah, so there was definitely some of that as well. I think that I've always had a very difficult time expressing myself uh, verbally, and I think um, way, way, way later in life, I've kind of come to an understanding that I um, am most likely autistic, so it kind of tracks that I would have difficulty um, expressing myself in some in some ways, um, but visually, it just came really easy for me, so... Um, I think I like that there is an objective and subjective aspect to visual communication. You know, you draw a circle, it's a circle, everyone understands that, but there can be subtext to it that um, can give you a lot more fluidity in how you communicate to people. Um, th- c- congratulations, because I'm, or, or on your discovery about, find out you're autistic, because I'm, I'm in the same like late boat or whatever, and as, as mm. is my partner. Um, and as is probably most people that I know. <laughs> sure. Um, so did you go to school for art then? Or how much of what you uh, started doing was like self-taught? Yeah, so I did. I went to school um, for textiles in 2008 um, and graduated with that, although I haven't done very much with it. I taught at a school for autistic adults for five or so years, teaching things like weaving and sewing. Um, but primarily, I do a lot of painting and drawing and things like that. Um, and the majority of that 
was self-taught. Um, so I've just kind of picked things up. Uh, I don't like sticking to any one thing. So even though I, I draw a lot, I paint a lot, I also like to learn new ways of approaching it. So I'll like experiment with printmaking or lately I've been doing 3D and I've been doing kind of a mishmash of making something in Blender and then applying um, like hand-drawn traditional textures to it and things like that to kind of keep things fresh and uh, interesting for me personally because I get bored very quickly. Sure. Is it like characters that you've already like drawn out that you're then trying to like 3D print or is it something kind of from scratch that you're doing? Yeah, a little bit of both. I think I've kind of built kind of uh, somewhat of a lexicon of shapes and uh, characters that I go back to. So um, when I'm kind of lost for ideas, I end up drawing bears a lot or there's this particular goose that I draw with a beret. <laughs> that's just kind of my go-to when I'm experimenting with things um so I may end up uh I actually did make that goose at one point when I was le learning this new 3D program called PicoCAD which is like this super bare bones um 3D modeler uh and so the art goose ended up in there um so I guess in terms of originality, everything's pretty familiar and comfortable in terms of what subjects I choose. And hopefully that translates to other people, too, that they have a familiarity and comfort when they look at it. Uh, why a bear? Like, why, why did that become ground zero? Oh, gosh, your guess is as good as mine. I think... I think I just drew one at one point, and I, <laughs> I drew it very... Uh, goofy so like it had a droopy snoot and big feet um and something in my head just said what if the snoot was even droopier or what if the feet and the hands were even bigger and so <laughs> I just mm -hmm. kind of kept exaggerating the features until that's just what I liked to, to do okay when you were like as you were developing your artistic voice or what have you did you go through many phases where you were kind of emulating this style or that style and then you kind of went through a trial and error to kind of like figure out what your voice was or was it like pretty uh similar from from the beginning oh gosh no um so when i was younger uh i really got into art in junior high and I was I'll just say it really troubled just had a lot of undiagnosed mental health issues that uh really troubled me and I think that came out in my art pretty clearly so I would draw some like pretty disturbing stuff looking back which is really funny now when you look at my work and it's just completely different but I think that I think that it's been that was necessary to inform the work that I make now and you can still see glimmers of it um so uh I think a lot of the characters or the way that I draw things like I said comes off a little bit off or I'm always trying to exaggerate and for a lot of people that comes off as like a little bit like uncanny valley or like unsettling some people have said which I think is really funny because I don't like uh I I, I think that 
even though it's not intentional, it does end up there probably because of that. Mm. Um, but I used to do very detailed things, heavily textured and, and rendered. And eventually I just kind of scaled back and kept scaling back until um, now the focus is more on um, less realism and more... Um, expressiveness so how can I get the emotion out not visually in terms of like a character emoting but in the way that I am applying the mark or um in the general feel of it can you uh pick up what I'm trying to express yeah, I, uh, I I was also really into uh, drawing in middle school, and I told this story, I think, on at least one or two other podcasts. Uh, basically, like, I, I was really into drawing, and then um, I think because of some rejection sensitivity that I also also came to light, like, later in life, like a kid, like, one kid told me that my drawing sucked, and then I quit mm. drawing for years. Oh, no. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that if you were doing stuff in middle school that was kind of a reflection of your troubles then maybe then people were kind of were, were people giving you guff about it not really um I like to think that I'm a very friendly person and I've kind of always been that way but you know being a quiet person being somebody who's relatively introverted and introspective I a lot of people just didn't really give me the time of day mm-hmm. so I was never bullied I think I was very lucky to avoid that but I was extremely socially isolated um Mm. so didn't really have that many people to tell me I was good or not good at something um that did happen with music though um for whatever reason I was told either I couldn't uh perform or that I wasn't good at it or people weren't interested in giving me a chance and so for a really long time similar to yourself I kind of developed a complex about it what were you playing um, I bought myself a cello in high school, and I tried very hard to learn how to play it all by myself, but mm-hmm. as one could imagine, that's extremely difficult. Um, so now I have quite a collection of different um, musical instruments. I've been uh, playing guitar for a while. I am some keyboards and a bass guitar and all sorts of weird things, and I still have that cello uh, mm-hmm. 15, 15 odd years later. Who were some of the artists who helped you find your voice? Um, my my partner was looking at your art and noticed like a Mary Blair sort of influence. Is that accurate? Mm, yeah, so people have said that a lot, and I do really appreciate Mary Blair's work. I think that the pioneering that she's done um, is really fascinating and inspiring. I don't take her as a direct influence, which mm-hmm. I think surprises a lot of people um more so my direct stylistic influences right now are probably paul rand um and i think the graphic nature of my artwork and the heavy use of like geometric shapes uh is evidence of that um i'm always he has this uh philosophy that i read about when giving like logos and things to clients where he would make them as small as possible to kind of show the legibility of the logo that he had made. Mm -hmm. Um, And I 
that's probably the thing that I have taken the most from him is when I'm making some new illustration, I try and make it as small as I possibly can to see if I can still tell what it is. And then if I can, I know that it's good. If you, if you, if you can, then you know that it's good. Yeah. If I can still tell what I'm looking at when it's like, you know, a couple, uh, like a, a quarter inch tall on either side, then I know that I've probably done a good job because, um, legibility is is one of the big things that i go for um for any particular reason i think accessibility probably and then um one of my one area that i think that i struggle with the most even uh either because it's genuinely something that i don't understand that well or because of some sort of like emotional hang up is things like uh, graphic design and composition and things like that probably because I'm mostly self-taught. So I guess in my mind, if I can tell what it looks like from really far away or from really small, then like I've done, that's the, that's the end mark. That's how I know that it's a good picture just for some, you know, random reason that I've assigned. No, that, that, that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you, as I often ask people about if you have any sort of routine for, for creating art does it come just as as you're able to do it do you try to sit down a certain amount of time or a certain time of day like how does that look um i would really like to have a dedicated practice or some sort of routine to it i think being uh, a disabled and chronically ill creator has uh abandoned any notion that i'm capable of that and i've come to peace with that so it's really just as I'm able to, um, on the weekends when I have more time, I try and pull something aside, but I also may end up staying up until like three in the morning because I had an idea and I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish it next, the next day, the next week, you know, so I try and get it done as, as fast as possible. And it's really just, I think, taking advantage of the time when I feel well enough to do something. Yeah, I was going to say, you mean because like, not so much because like the inspiration might not be there or whatever but because like you physically might not be able to exactly do it yeah, yeah. no that makes sense yeah I've, I've i've been trying to like work through that just for <clears throat> having adhd and you know all all sorts of other like fun things or whatever and kind of like i i've, I've tried to do routines and whatnot, because, you know, b books that I've read in the past were like, that's what you got to do in order to. Mm -hmm. And most people that I have interviewed on this podcast don't seem to have that going on exactly. It just kind of can happen, like when it can happen, like we all are, are dealing with stuff. Um, but it, it's taken, uh, as with a lot of things with ableism and whatnot, it's, 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 it's this ongoing process of, of me not you know, like if I want to do something, uh, creatively or otherwise, but then I'm just like not up to it. It's like not being like, not being mad at myself about it and whatnot. What are your, uh, what are your most common materials as far as like, like you're talking about 3d printing, but like when you just like sit down, what is your often, most often your, your items? Right now it's just a pencil. Um, I've been really interested in uh, line 
lately and uh, making forms as organically as I can without much uh, thought behind them, which is something that I used to do um, back in 2017, 2018. I had a sketchbook uh, specifically for um, making marks that I couldn't take back. So I did them in pencil, but the rules were for using that sketchbook that I couldn't erase. I couldn't try and fix anything in any way. So once the mark was put down, that's where it stayed. Um, and I've kind of found myself coming back to that uh, lately, which because I utilize so many different media, so like I'll use uh, gouache, acrylic, watercolor, I have pretty much every art supply that anyone could have. <laughs> and because mm-hmm. of that, I like to restrict myself a lot. So rather than throwing everything that I have at one piece, I'll say, okay, I can only use three colors of any given material or um, I'm only going to use pencil in this piece and then I can scan it in digitally and do whatever I want, which is what I've been doing lately is um, just uh, drawing something out without thinking too much about what it's going to look like or uh, what shapes are going to go where and then um, taking a photo with my notes app, which has a scanning feature. I just, I just learned this. If you use your notes app, you can take your picture and it'll kind of scan it in this like really gross, crunchy, uh, Xerox texture, uh, that I love. So I've been doing that and then coloring everything digitally. I see. So just, just so I'm understanding this correctly, like you will draw it out, pencil, mm-hmm. scan it in with the notes app color is the is the digital yes mm-hmm. what do you use uh, for coloring um i've been using procreate just because it's uh more convenient if i'm going to be taking a picture of it with my ipad then i don't necessarily want to like go to photoshop or whatever gotcha. um, i'm really lucky to work for a digital art supply company um called retro supply so i get um all of my brushes and things and textures and such for free um so i again i kind of have like everything that one could have and i'm in a really lucky position but because i uh if you throw everything into like if you were to make pasta and throw every herb that you have into the pasta it would taste disgusting right so it's it's nice to have those things but i like to really scale things back and i think there's um i think there's a definitely a minimalism to my art because of that which um hopefully people appreciate i think there's that mid-century kind of paul rand uh influence coming back in again Mm mm-hmm you know, uh, it's funny you should mention that because in my in the music class that I teach this week, we were talking about the Terry Riley's in C, and about how it was like this like minimalist piece of music and whatnot. Um, but basically, kids ex- ex- explaining to kids like why that would even be any good, like why minimalism would like what the point would even be, and it seems like what you're saying is like that it's kind of morphs your brain in a different way. So you might see things a little differently based on those like limitations. Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. So I think, um, I think visually I'm drawn to more minimalist artwork. Like I appreciate very 
much things that are like highly detailed or you know maximalist in terms of like if you look at like a um what's his name like a Bosch painting where there's like just everything all over the place um I find those really beautiful and intriguing but uh I think again going back to being uh disabled and chronically ill and limited physically and what I'm able to do um as much as I'd like to spend, you know, hours and hours on an illustration with like 50 different characters, it's just not something that I'm able to do. And so I think I've just kind of adopted this, uh, sensibility of how can I communicate a lot with a little, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of poured over into everything else where I'm intentionally choosing to limit my materials or limit my colors and to kind of find creative ways to, um, say something new with with that restriction right how long does it usually take you i'm sure this there's a wide range as there is with everybody mm-hmm. but like on average how long would you generally say it takes you to complete a piece because of the idea that i might not be able to finish something i try and get things done as fast as possible but it really depends so something like the uh, the work that I've been doing lately with the pencil drawings, it'll take me 10 minutes or so to make the initial drawing, but then scanning it in and editing and coloring and this and that uh, will take, you know, more time on top of that. And then um, I like to think of the ideation process as part of it as well. So, mm-hmm. um, the finished object may take, you know, uh, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, a couple of hours, but I've been thinking about it all day. Um, and then sometimes uh, I'll be working on something over the span of a couple of days, and I'm, I'm lucky to be able to do that, um, either because that's just what it requires, like if I'm doing some sort of um, dyeing process, or if I'm doing some sort of printmaking process that has a lot of layers you have to wait for things to dry and stuff like that so it's not really uh, a choice and then <laughs> sometimes I'll start something years ago and then pick it up again and finish it so I guess you know in that yeah. case sometimes it can take years yeah that's interesting because I, I in my own way experience similar things where like I uh try to make stuff that I create in such a way that like if I'm not able like for for me I don't I try to have as few like long-term sort of project ideas as possible and just Mm -hmm. try to like condense it because I may be like just too scatterbrained or distraught or whatever to like work on it later or whatnot versus just it being just like this like thing that I can finish and then like if I feel up to something later or not feel up to something later, like that's okay. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think a really good example of how circuitous it can be to start something. And then, uh, before you end up finishing it, uh, I've had this idea in my head since 2019 of an adult, uh, scout troop. Mm-hmm. that is based around the idea of um, our 
mental and physical disabilities were uh, barriers, not being a limitation in terms of the ways that we can make the world better. Um, so I call it the sad flowers uh, society uh, because of that, because even uh, people ask me why I called it that, and, and my kind of quippy response is even a sad flower can make the world beautiful. And so that started in 2019, but I, I only just uh, really did anything with it a couple days ago. Um, so excited that it is finally imperfectly off the ground, but it took me that long to be able to think of how I'm going to achieve this. How is it going to be manageable for me? Um, and because so many of the projects that I do or all of the different things that I engage in are usually pretty solitary, that's another important aspect of it. How am I going to be able to do things by myself? Um, I have another project that I'm working on called Video Noise. That's um, me making music and then making art inspired by the music that I make. But in order to get to that, where I am now, I had to learn how to do videography. I had to learn how to do like uh, green screen editing. I had to learn um, 3D, uh, how to make things in 3D for like my, um, for like the logo and, and different aspects. And I had to learn After Effects and I had to learn video editing. So um, sometimes I don't, literally don't know how to do the thing that I want to do until, you know, it takes months and months for me to figure those things out. There's a, there's a really good quote in the, the documentary on the residence where, uh, I think Penn Gillette says that like, if you wait too long, if you wait to do something until you know how to do it, you're never going to do anything. Yeah. And, and that, <laughs> I, I always thought that was kick ass personally. Yeah. So sometimes, I mean, um, I think especially now because I'm so isolated um, physically from the rest of the world, um, there's even more of a need to be able to kind of carve my own path into the world, which has always been somewhat of, a, of the case for me personally, but I think especially now because I don't have the means uh, to interact in space with other people who already know how to do those things, mm -hmm. so it's just like okay well this is what I want to do so I have to figure out how to do it and then I I do <laughs> it's really exciting because I love how to, I love learning how to do new things yeah and I, I uh I'm, I'm I I also I like knowing how to do new things once I know how to do them but I I hate learning to do new things <laughs> because like I, my attention span is so bad and then I just like get really frustrated and get like really hard on myself and just it burst but yeah I, I see what you're saying yeah, no, that's under I get that way too, um, especially with something like Blender or like a musical thing. Um, for some reason, the information, I don't know, I don't want to make any sort of like blanket assumptions about the type of people who do these things, but like it seems like a lot of the information is like intentionally obtuse, like they're trying to, to gatekeep some of this information so they make it as um, technical as possible. And it's just like, I just want to know how to add a circle to this. Can like, can mm -hmm. you, like I want to know how to add a texture to this. Like it shouldn't be this hard and I get really frustrated. Um, I wanted to circle back around to what you were saying with the, uh, the, the sad flower society mm. and just ideas in general that may have first come into fruition to some extent years ago. 
how do you file those away? Like for me, I just like have like Google Docs here and there or like things in notebooks that I might just like find by accident. And I've been trying to get better with just like having things be more organized to look at because otherwise like I can't even imagine how many things have just like fallen by the wayside because like I just like drew it somewhere and then like or or I or I did find it like six months later but then it just like has like two words and I have no idea what the fuck it means yeah exactly how do you um, uh how, how do you archive yeah I I've always wanted to be somebody who can like I, I write things down constantly I'm staring right now at some notes for work um and the entire page front to back is just covered with things or I was the type of person who thought that like good note taking was like writing word for word everything the teacher said but then I would never ever look back at it um and I'm still like that if I write something down or if I like make a, a, a note of something or like take a screenshot it's it's never going to get looked at again but I think it still stays in my head to some degree so but to answer your question in terms of the sad flower society or some of these other ideas i uh not literally but i just never stop thinking about them so um from 2019 onward i've been thinking about the sad flower society routinely and Mm -hmm. it's just not something that i stop thinking about um same thing with like uh, video noise or some of the other ideas that i've had over time, either I grow out of them, and so then, you know, the the idea that I think is a good idea isn't a good idea anymore, and that's fine, I can just let it go, or it's something that I still think is worth doing, and I've just been thinking about it this entire time. Right. What are your uh, methods as far as, like, how many drafts you often go through? Like, do, is it oftentimes just, like, you think about things, like, pretty hard, and then just, like then it just like comes or do you do you uh throw out a lot of things like physically or what how does that work yeah by the time that I'm ready to actually like get boots on the ground and like do the thing um there's not a lot of editing involved and that's not to say that I don't make mistakes I constantly make mistakes but I think because I'm somebody who's just constantly thinking and ideating um in my head I don't once I'm in in the process of making, I don't like to edit myself very much, for better or for worse, because then I'll, I'll put something, I'll post something online, or I'll, sh- or I'll share something, and then once it's already out in the world, then I can't take it back, <laughs> then I'm like, oh gosh, I should have done something differently, but in that, in that moment, I'm pretty confident about the way that it looks, and so I don't like to go back. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of pressure to just to like. There, there's the ease of putting stuff online and how great that is that the whole world can see it. But then there's that uh, follow up feeling of like, oh fuck, the whole world can see this. Yeah, I guess I. I don't really. I. I kind of. So my personal philosophy in terms of like how I approach everything is, um, the idea that I'm going to be wrong at any given point forever um so the fact that I'm like naturally really clumsy and that I like to intentionally like to think that I'm going to be corrected um at any point makes me really more accepting of mistakes and a little less nervous about like putting myself out there because like 
it's just an inevitability that I'm going to fuck something up at some point. So I just kind of just go with the flow Mm -hmm. and know that, like, uh, try as much as I can to be confident in the fact that when I do eventually mess up that I know how to fix it. What are your methods typically for getting your stuff out into the world? I mean, we, we're, we're talking about the internet, so obviously there's the internet, but like, what are your, because I'm, I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Like, what are, what are the best ways of doing that? Like, what works for you? Yeah, uh, before the pandemic hit, I was actually going to get a, uh, I was invited to do a solo show at a local bar, and uh, that came about through um, my partner having worked there, and I think that is unfortunately the primary way that I've gotten any amount of attention is just through um, mutual contacts and so I've done a couple of shows uh, not shows markets um, that have been a result of me knowing someone or um, I've gotten uh, different job offers from me knowing someone (laughs) so it's it's difficult because um, the methods by which I get to meet people is not as robust as it used to be, and um, I feel like the art scene in Phoenix is very finicky. Um, you don't say. Ways, <laughs> yeah, and in some ways a little incestuous, um, I, uh, clicky. So yeah, I think just meeting people and uh building relationships and taking advantage of of the relationships with once you have them um would be the thing that has worked the best for me over the years and just honestly being really lucky i'm not that successful i wouldn't say for my own by my own standards um but i have been very lucky to have um some pretty interesting uh, experiences over the years. Um, I think also being, uh, interested in trying new things and experimenting has been very helpful. Um, I used to do performance art and so I used to do, um, a lot of performing at different, uh, events because of that. And not everybody is going to be interested in that sort of thing, but I would encourage that even if you're like, if you're a visual artist trying something performative, um, not only for your own sake, but just, but because there are people who have opportunities for that. And so you can experiment in how you communicate your art to people and get to try something new and to show um, yourself that way. And then uh, more opportunities could come from that. What, uh, what was this performance art you speak of? Oh, um, I used to do, uh, well, it was different every time. So for my performance art, I don't like to repeat myself, um, which I don't like to repeat myself very much in any of the art that I do. But for this, uh, for my performance art specifically, it was very moment based. So the only time that you would ever see that event or that performance is if you were there. Okay. There was one that I did where, um, I got two volunteers, it was me and a friend, we choreographed um, 
a dance to a song, but it wasn't us performing the dance. We got two strangers the night of the performance and we blindfolded them and we physically manipulated their hands and feet. So they were the ones doing the dance, but uh, we were making them do it. Um, and so they didn't know what they were doing. They couldn't see it. They were blindfolded. Um, and then obviously like I, I didn't record it. Somebody probably did, but so that moment only existed for the people who were witnessing it. That seems unfathomable today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, everybody's recording everything. Right. Um, but yeah, going going back to uh, knowing people who know who know people or whatever. I mean, that's that's been the majority of any leg up that I've gotten on anything is like uh-huh. like nobody likes me, but like you know, I, I I have a handful of friends that are you know well known or like liked or whatever. So like when I've yeah. you know booked little tours or whatever. And it's, it's been like, oh, you know, you know, such and such. Cool. Yeah, you can you can play here. And then like when I get there, like I just like, you know, make everybody feel like really uncomfortable with my social awkwardness and <laughs> yeah. whatnot. But it's been I've, I've never been uh, good at going up to people and like be comfortable being like, hello, my name is my name is Jason. I know a lot of people do like online promotion very consistently. It's very hard for me to like post about anything like more than once or twice uh-huh. because then I, then I just feel like I'm pissing everybody off. And then I also have just like that complex that we were talking about a few minutes ago where I just have the default embarrassment of just like having like stuff like out into the world to begin with. Mm. Anyway, that's my experience, but I understand what you're saying from, uh, as far as that being important. Well, I was just going to say, there's. I think there's a lot of opportunities for you to create your own path as well. So, like, even though a lot of the opportunities that I've gotten have been through meeting people, there's just as many that I've come across because I, I made those things happen. Um, right. So, I think, if anything, in terms of advice that I can give people is, you know, try to meet people and to take advantage of meeting people um but also don't wait for them if there's something Mm -hmm. that you want to do and you and you have the means to do it however imperfectly then just do it and opportunities will come because of that too yeah no that that totally that totally makes sense i i wanted to uh talk about uh everybody's favorite topic the coronavirus And I'm, I'm, I'm told regularly by, by students who are commenting on my masking that COVID is over. And if I point out to people that it's not, people get like really like kind of annoyed with me. Mm -hmm. And so do you want to share at this point, any of your own experience with that? Yeah, so, um, I mean, as I mentioned, I'm disabled, chronically ill, and so um, even though uh, not everybody who shares that demographic has continued to take COVID safety measures, um, I have this entire time. I think uh, of the people that I I know, I'm probably one of the most stringent. stringent. Um, And yeah, it's been... It's been very interesting 
to say the least, to see the transition uh, that's happened in my personal life, in my professional life, my creative life, um, the reactions that I get because of that, not even, I mean, if you go onto my Instagram account, you're going to see, you're going to see that I share, I share my thoughts about pretty much everything as, as, uh, often as I'd like, not necessarily as often as other people would like, (laughs) but so I'm very open about my thoughts, but even just, um, saying nothing, like I was at a, I got invited to do a market a couple months ago and, um, I got uh, a lot of dirty looks from people that I wouldn't have expected side eyes and kind of, you know, um, telegraphing thoughts that they didn't necessarily vocalize or people going out of their way not to interact with me. And it was very surprising because, you know, these are people who, by their own admission, would consider themselves leftists. A lot of them were queer. Um, Many of them disabled themselves. And so it's really interesting to go from the start of the pandemic, 2020 is when I was the most successful, I would say, in terms of sales and attention, to now basically feeling completely invisible, if I, you know, if I'm being honest. Yeah, no, it's it, it's it's a wild time. And it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating that, uh, and I think it's like somewhat similar to when I was, uh, like, I haven't uh, eaten meat, like my my adult life, but like 14 of those years were vegan. And the, the beginning of it was long before it became like, cool, or whatever, not to sound yeah. like, you know, elitist or whatnot. But I mean, that's just <laughs> that's just how it was. But like, just like my existence as that like just brought out like you know oh you think you're better than me yeah exactly. and, and that no, that kind of seems similar and, and even more so because now there's just like this visible representation like on your face yeah exactly it's funny that you say that because i've also noticed that similarity i went um i went vegetarian first when i was in uh high school and um vegan for 15 years since then and yeah, that's, uh, you're totally right. Cause like when it, when it was around that time period, hardly anybody, uh, knew what being vegetarian meant, let alone respected it. You'd get all sorts of like, um, even just saying something so much as like, no, thank you. Or, you know, you could be as polite as you, as you could possibly try to be. And people would try and rope you into debates and things like that. And, mm-hmm. So I, I think having that experience early on gave me some insight into how people um, approach these type of things and how, like, you could just be standing there doing nothing and your mere existence kind of sets people off again because, I, like you said, they're attaching all of this uh, subtext to your existence where there might not be any or, like, you're not, you're just you couldn't possibly be doing anything to, to badmouth them if you're just standing there doing nothing, but they're reading a lot into it. And I think, you know, obviously that says a lot about them more so than it does you or anyone else. But um, I think especially with the pandemic, a lot of it comes down to um, wanting it to be over more than they know like, I, I think the majority of people don't really think that it's over. You couldn't possibly. I think everybody knows that things are not the way that they used to be, but they don't want to admit it. And so somebody like me or like you has a visual representation 
on them at all times that it's not over and they they can't deal with that unfortunately um and a lot of the people that I know who are still taking precautions um have been vocalizing lately just how difficult it's gotten it's been difficult this whole time Mm -hmm. but primarily these last couple of months seeing people um rightfully talk about things like palestine and uh, the drc and sudan and yemen and things like that using a lot of the same arguments um or a lot of the same parallels to those issues but then when somebody like me or some other disabled person chronically ill person says hey those same things apply to us it's silence it's crickets Mm -hmm. and so it's been very lonely and I've been trying to make art about it and honestly I think it feels pretty unnatural for me personally um just because it's not something that I've ever when I was a teenager I used to make political art not that I would consider I mean it is political there's a lot of politics involved in it but like social justice issues political issues health issues not something that I usually make art about not something that I necessarily even want to make art about but I'm finding myself coming back to that more and more because that's what is surrounding my life and and you know it's important for me to be able to express myself and because it's kind of like all consuming mm-hmm. <laughs> to like from the moment that you wake up you know i have a dog i have to take put on a mask when i take my dog out or um i can't just go to a grocery store I haven't been in a grocery store in four years mm-hmm. um uh, or like being able to go to the doctor and things like that so it's like kind of consumed my entire identity in a way that I'm not really comfortable with, but, um, it's don't interesting. really have, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I'm sorry. Um, I was, I was going to say, it's interesting that you should like bring up that like political sort of incorporation into, into your art, because I was, I was thinking about that when I was like going through some of your stuff, um, much of it made since 2020, and how, you know, kind of circling back to how we were describing your art at the at the beginning of this, like how there's like definitely this like, you know, it's cute, there's innocence, there's, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's stuff that's very akin to things in children's books and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my therapist tells me it's good to use and instead of but. <laughs> and uh, it is made in this clearly like dark time. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of curious. Um, I've, I've talked with other people about this who make art that's like somewhat in the same genre, how um, it can be seen as kind of building a another world sort of mm-hmm. to like kind of like help you like, it, you know, escapism, I guess. Um, or maybe even have some sort of like incorporation of like being openly rebellious towards what what is the status quo or or whatnot even if it doesn't visually look 
I'm saying a lot of words to like not say very much. I don't think, but you you understand no, what I'm I, saying? Yeah, I understand what you're saying, and I and that's you know I think you hit the nail on the head there because when like I said when I was um, making art in junior high and high school it was a lot darker, and that was a reflection of what I was feeling internally, and um, I think at a certain point I just didn't want to focus on that anymore and I wanted to not ignore the quote-unquote negative feelings that I had but to kind of recontextualize it and they uh, I think at, at one point I just said to myself like you know I don't I don't feel happy but I, I want to draw things that make me smile I want to you know create a little world that does give me you know some semblance of happiness Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been trying to do for the last couple of years. I think I've achieved it. You know, I, I draw my, my weird little bears and it, and it makes me laugh. Um, and yeah, so now the fact that so much of my stuff is COVID related or, you know, social justice related to some degree, it, it honestly makes me uncomfortable because it feels like I don't have a lot of say in the type of art that I'm making, but like, when I try and do something a little bit more frivolous, it just feels really disingenuous. Does it feel, does it feel cathartic? Cause for me to like openly talk about things that are bothering me, like in the present tense, like there's some times where I, I try to like work on something and then think like, Oh, I wasn't like, you know, ready. I wasn't ready to like open this up at, at this point. Like now I feel, now I feel worse than when I started or whatever, but then for other people, like it's, you know, just completely positive. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's cathartic necessarily. Um, I think that um, I think the fact that it's just so so over encompassing is more of a a hindrance, if anything, mm-hmm. because I would like to be able to just make silly little drawings um, and. I think the fact that I can't force myself to do that necessarily or I feel like some sort of compulsion to have it relate back to that is more of, I wouldn't say like a cry for help, but it just like really shows how how much this has negatively impacted my life to have, you know, four going on five years of near complete isolation and to constantly have to think about this sort of thing like I don't think that anybody who is still taking precautions wants to have it (laughs) like wants to constantly be reading uh medical papers and to you know uh, stay up to date on the COVID weather report and to follow all these doctors but like we don't really have a choice because that information isn't out there so I think the fact that I can't bring myself to not make something about it lately just shows just like where my mental state is, where it's just like, I don't, I don't want to be making stuff about this. I don't want to be thinking about this. Same as everybody else. I think, I think the fact that like people gave up more easily than I have, or that you might, might be, is just, um, I don't want to say a lack of resilience, but just like their tolerance for it was a lot lower. And I feel like I'm getting to that point where it's, uh, there's 
there's not going to be a time when I'm not going to take it seriously, but it's just, you know, at some point you just need a break, <laughs> but you're not allowed to take a break because it could kill you. Right. Um, I'm curious as far as just like your, and kind of going back even to when you were going to have shows in a bar and like whatnot. Um, so for, so for me, the way that I have been making stuff the last four years has like changed and Uh become like, you know, there's things like this, what we're doing right now where, you know, um, some of it isn't, has been like, you know, in person, but a lot of it has been, um, remotely. And as far as, uh, things that I can do on my own versus like having stuff with like band practices or like Mm -hmm. making stuff with the intention of there being like a, a live performance associated with it or whatever. Like there's, there's the music that I've made the last few years. Like I haven't like thought at all about like, Oh, like how am I going to play this live? Because I'm not playing live. So like my brain just like works differently now than it used to. And the idea of like, oh, like it would be cool to like put this in like a band setting. Like that's like, I'm not doing that either. And so with your art, is there any other way that it has made you look at art differently other than like that recently you've been like, you know, doing stuff like maybe a little bit more overtly about like the, the shittiness of the world? that's materialized yet um i've been toying around with the idea of making music like i guess a concept album about what it's been like to be so isolated um i'm not really sure how to go about that uh i'm not the best musician in the world so that's an impotence on my part but uh I'll figure it out, I guess. Um, for the most part, I've just been trying to, like, I think, if anything, it's made me more experimental because I have been locked inside my home for so, for so long that, mm-hmm. like, I feel a need to constantly experiment um, or I might, you know, I'm worried that I'm going to get a little stir-crazy. Um, so learning new techniques, learning different, uh, means of expression. So like I've been doing a lot of animating. I actually got into animation because of the pandemic. So that's pretty interesting because it wasn't really something that I did before or, um, even had that much interest in. Um, but now I have a a method for animating that I think is pretty unique I would say and then just being more experimental in terms of like subject or method um especially uh something that I've been doing lately is trying to make things uh, (laughs) sounds pretty like counterintuitive especially relating to what I had said about like not having the ability to make stuff but trying to make things as, as slow and as difficult as possible um there was a time when I would um I would sketch something 
and then I would take a picture of it in Procreate and use Procreate as like a light table to um, draw it again. And then I would take that drawing and I would transfer it onto like some watercolor paper and then I would ink it and then I would scan it in and I would finish it off that way. So by the time that the picture was finished, I would have drawn it like five, six times. Um, and the line quality was something that I thought was really interesting by that point because I would try and do it all in one stint. Um, and so my hand would get really tired and so the lines were really jagged and shaky, which I found really interesting. And I kind of turns into a performance piece all on its own um, because you're trying to run out the clock in terms of what you can physically do. So it was like an exertion exercise. And I think that has come about specifically because of this desire to experiment and to keep things like fresh and (laughs) keep me from stagnating and losing my mind. (laughs) Right, right. So I asked you in advance to pick a book, a film, and or a song, and or anything else that (laughs) you want to discuss that was particularly influential to you as an artist. Have you done so? I thought about it for a while after you asked, and I, for the book, it's going to be really difficult because I don't, I read a lot, but I don't, I don't read, I don't read books. I just, I, especially fiction. Um, I, I also want to make I, clear before, before we before, go, go forward, because there's, there's been some confusion yeah. with, with past guests. I'm not asking for like the song or right. like whatever, just like, you know, an example of it. But yeah, anyway, sorry, sure. go, go ahead and continue. Yeah, but, uh, rec- well, actually recently I read a book called, um, my Life in the Bush of Ghosts, which I found out about because David Byrne and Brian Eno uh, made an album oh, called yeah. that. Based very very on familiar. The book. Yeah, so I read I read the book. It's very short. Uh, definitely worth a read. Very surreal um, and uh, fantastical. Um, and I think, I don't think it was inspiring to me necessarily, but I think that it was a perfect just like that book perfectly describes the the type of thing like the type of art that I'm interested in because it's written from the perspective of a child um more or less so it's an adult saying it but he's like recounting his childhood and it's written in a way that a child tells stories so like just a run-on sentence like this happened and then this happened and then this happened and then that happened you know it's uh, in that format, like a child would tell it, but he's talking about these like ridiculous and almost like grotesque things like ghosts covered in, in insects and venomous snakes and things like that and just being like completely covered in it. So these horrible things. <laughs> and I think like if you were to read it and to know me and you'd be like oh yeah like that's exactly the type of thing that they're (laughs) that they're into so I would say that movie I think what inspires me most is like um like documentaries or like character pieces about like weird people (laughs) one of my favorite movies of all time is Jesus Camp 
and it's because I really like learning about people who are very different from me. Um, so a film like that, which is, you know, about children growing up in a Pentecostal, like revivalist religion and the type of things that they get up to, it's all very campy and, uh, there's prop comedy involved at one point. It's just very bizarre. And it's a world that I've never experienced before or very briefly. And I find it very fascinating. And so that's, I think, another thing that pops up in my artwork, just things that people and situations that are a little bit off and familiar in a way that's uncomfortable (laughs) maybe like you know what you're looking at but it's a little bit different you're not quite like things that uh like many people have gone to church but not very many people have gone to church in in that way Mm -hmm. uh and i find that very fascinating and then um that relates to um my song danielson family who um does not get as much attention as I think that they deserve. Um, But they're a band that (laughs) it's not for everyone. And as soon as you hear one of their songs, you're going to know immediately why. But (laughs) they also, they sing about things that I think everybody should hear about. Like, um, you know, loving people, being nice to one another. They have a song uh, about being quiet and uh even yet they're a christian band but you wouldn't really know it most of the time and i'm not religious at all um but i like anything that kind of spreads that message of being kind to one another and their music is also very cutesy and unsettling and (laughs) again you would you would listen to it and you'd be like oh i know why they like that i've I've wondered uh just in the past because like you know Christian rock is notoriously just awful and (laughs) I uh have never heard Christian other than like you know there's like gospel obviously but as far as like you know things in a in a in a rockish sort of like setting like there's nothing that I've heard that like uh was good and so but like I've I've always wondered whether that was like out there (laughs) whether like man just because like this band is like Christian like does that mean that they like have to suck like there's got to be like something that's like just like musically like great but like just happens to be that there's going to be a lot of people who listen to danielson family and they're gonna say what the hell is this like they're not gonna get it and Mm -hmm. i and i understand that um the the lead singer daniel johnson daniel's voice is uh intentionally very high-pitched and is through most of their songs and there's like a lot of raucous quality to it so it's definitely not going to be for everybody but Mm. if you can get past that or if you're somebody who um i like music that has a lot of uh texture to it where a lot of different things happening all at once another one of my favorite bands is cardiacs oh i love Uh, cardiacs yeah yeah so like along that same vein where there's like a lot of stuff going on and it's very like textured and layered um so if you're into that sort of thing there's a possibility you're really gonna like it but i would encourage anyone to at least give it a chance to listen to the lyrics and the message of it because i think it's something that i think that they have a lot of things to say that everybody could benefit from 
Well, thank you for that. Is there anything else you want to say for anyone who's made it this far? Um, thank you for listening to me ramble. Um, if you would like to participate in the Sad Flower Society, you can go to the Instagram page for it or sadflowersociety.com. Shoot me a message. And you're already in it, honestly. You're already a Sad Flower Scout, but you can be an intentional participant. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you.